Hello, hello, my beautiful friends. It's Isabella Lombicari, the world messenger, and I'm super thrilled to invite you for another epic episode of Legacy Leader Show. Today, I have someone that I've been watching very close in the last year or so on LinkedIn that creates phenomenal daily content, engage with me on mine as well on his. And I had a chance to really deep dive on a lot of very pertinent, timely subjects that so many people are facing today and nothing better than opportunity to hear directly from the expert that is joining me from just a little bit outside of West Melbourne in Australia. And you will love his accent, but also his expertise. Besides that he's a phenomenal, um, obviously mindset fit methods, inventor and all about emotional intelligence and trend psychology master coach and dispelling a lot of myths that we're seeing here right now. He is also, uh, again, extremely active, able to uh, disseminate information that can we all understand and digest. He has been also fantastic supporter uh, through uh, not only peak performance and behavioral changes that all of us are seeing right now, but also advisor and so much more. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Ash Plaisted. Hi, Ash, how are you? Good morning uh, or good evening, um, good afternoon, Isabella. I'm really, really well. Thank you for that um, lovely introduction. Great to be here. And um, yeah, we were just talking before we came on air about um, Southeast Australia and, and Melbourne. I'm, I'm very lucky to live down here and, and one other thing I'll add is we don't think we have an accent. We think everyone else has got an accent. <laughs> I know, but it's so awesome for uh, us in different cultures and different countries to be exposed to those unique dialects, I guess, um, uh, or accents that uh, we don't get a chance to listen or hear all the time. So it's very different to get to know someone, obviously, not only through uh, their engagement, uh, phenomenal information they disseminate, but also having just a chance to have a now face-to-face -face conversation on this podcast. So Ash, could you please uh, let us know, how did you even get into psychology and how did you even get in that to be a master coach and specifically around peak performance? Yeah, thanks, uh, Isabella. Look, it's a, it's a bit of a long story. I guess I've got to go backwards to go forwards. Um, well, of course, I'm in my 50s, uh, approximately. Um, and I've always had a fascination with human nature, I guess, uh, and why people do the things they do. I guess that's always been in me ever since I was a young man, a teenager, and growing up and getting into the workforce, um, and then becoming an entrepreneur myself uh, in my early 30s when I left the paid workforce and started working for myself in the mid-90s. So I was always very, very curious about why people do what they do. I would read books. I would be drawn to those sorts of films about psychology and um, you know why people do odd and strange things. Um, so that was always within me and it was always part of the way I interacted with my own community, family and friends, but also customers. And just over the years, that's something that um, became a really key part of how I built teams, how I interacted with customers, how I coached people. I've always been somebody who enjoys coaching because I really enjoy seeing other people be their best. I guess that's my nature. I like 
performing at my best myself, but I like even more helping other people be their best. And I think it's just my contention or my belief that psychology or, or our the way our brain and mind operates is the wellspring of all other things. So that sort of took me much deeper and deeper. And along this journey, um, I started trading. Now, I don't um, suggest that I'm going to go into explaining the, all, the, all the nuances of trading, but trading essentially, you know, in the, in the markets, the financial markets, is something I've done for 25 years. It's really a sort of a brutal environment where your psychology, your belief system, your, your limbic belief system will get exposed very, very quickly. And that's what I, I loved about it. Um, and all of this was happening at the same time I was learning about myself. So it's really a self-awareness journey, trading. So trading taught me an enormous, about, uh, enormous amount of information about myself about what my beliefs are, how you can't avoid emotion. You know, this belief that we all get brought up with that, you know, you can park your emotion to the side or you can, you can, um, you can overpower your emotion. I think it's such a, a misdirection. It's such a incorrect programming that I think we all get brought up, particularly, I think, in Western culture, that, you know, to be tough, to overpower your emotions, just power on. All of that sort of attitude to me just never made sense. And then when I really started to dive deep into how our mind and brain works, and particularly from a biological perspective, you know, a science perspective, that's when it really got interesting for me to, to dive into the science and the biology of, of why our brain has evolved to operate the way it does, which is actually paradoxically quite different to the way we live our lives. And I think a lot of people live in this state of conflict about the way their brain operates and the way they perceive the world. So, yeah, so that sort of led me down this path. And along that path, you know, a lot of people would reach out to me um, for coaching, for advice. I've always found that, you know, Isabella, it's just one of those things. People always wanted to ask me questions and get my opinion. And I was always happy to do that. And that was just a natural evolution for me was to get into coaching and particularly the last probably five or ten years since I sold you know my finance business I was in the finance industry for many years I had five or six different finance businesses where we arranged finance for customers and I sold that business you know several years ago had a little bit of a break when I was looking after my mum who who had terminal cancer so I had some time off and when that sort of ended that's when I really dived into coaching uh, full time um, as my the next step. I think it's a natural step um, yes. to want to have a, a, an impact in the world. And I think, as you said, Zoom, you know, in the virtual world and LinkedIn and, and some other places, it's a great platform to have some impact in the world and, and speak about what you love and, and are passionate about. And that's what I've always done. And I guess... Um, some people enjoy it, maybe some people don't, but I certainly enjoy speaking about what I am passionate about and I love, 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 love helping people, yeah. you know, discover their, their, their potential and see what they're capable of. That's fantastic. And I loved how you walk us on the journey of involvement and pivoting, right? You know, uh, and I love, again, that we, through the life, don't always go th with things linearly, 
in fact, some things, life circumstances throw us on the curve. Uh, and then we need to kind of figure it out how to navigate that, like taking care of your mom or, or be able to sell your business to take a little break or revisit where to go to next. What's the next most important things to do? Um, with that in mind, obviously, we're seeing a lot of disruption. And I love how you brought up elements of finance, because everybody has a different risk tolerance and, and, and different relationship with money, different energy associated with that, different level also of self-worth and performance overall. So I feel like those things go beautifully hand in hand. So do you mind sharing not only what you discovered uh, through your personal journey uh, in correlation and relationship with money, but what are you seeing with others uh, and, and some really good tips and advice? Yeah, that's a really, really good question. And there's a lot to unpack there, um, Isabella. Look, you, you said something there that's a really interesting to me, and that is um, how we attach our self-worth to uh, external measures of success, some of yes. which are money, some of which are winning, some of which are being seen to be in control and powerful. So I think that's a real problem. Um, and I'll sort of come to the money part of it in a minute, but it's a real problem for a lot of people that their self-worth is attached to external factors. And it's one of the things that's really important to me is to, to help people discover their inherent worth. Like we are, we are all born equally worthy. And I think that's the most important thing to keep in mind that, and this comes to money, you know, like, you know, I found this out in my, my finance career. It certainly was a great journey for me too, to, I guess, unpack my own psychology and my own belief system and how I was brought up. I mean, I was brought up, wonderful family, had a wonderful family, but quite humble. And, you know, in order to be successful, you had to work hard, right? There was this connection between to have money, you had to have earned it. Right, you have to, they have to be able to connect working hard yes. to being financially successful. And whilst that is true in some instances, particularly for entrepreneurships uh, or entrepreneurs and, and, and people uh, wanting to work for themselves and sort of chart their own path and, and control their own destiny, one of the things they crash into, this big limiting belief, is the... I guess the, the limiting belief of undeservedness or feeling as though I don't deserve to make easy money. And I really discovered this in trading because trading is something, if you get it right, has got unlimited financial upside. Um, but one of the great challenges is the self-sabotaging belief that you don't deserve it. And deep inside all of us, there is this inner critic that is you know, constantly, constantly chipping away and when the opportunity to be successful comes along, a lot of people, um, whilst they might consciously understand yes. what's required of them and consciously understand, you know, that they need to change, subconsciously, uh, the brain and the mind don't change that easily. You know, affirmations, positive thinking, NLP, um, you know, tapping, all, all of these different techniques that have become quite sort of common and popular, they don't really change your underlying limiting beliefs. And I think this is where I discovered that you really need to work away at those deep-seated beliefs and your relationship with yourself. And 
And I think where, you know, where I'm heading with this is money and to be financially successful is not actually that difficult. In my opinion, you know, it's about, you know, building a business or, or, or charting a path and finding something that's of value and, and giving it to people. The bigger challenge is understanding what's required of you as a person. What do you need to change about yourself in that process? That's the bigger challenge as, as self-leadership that I yeah. found that took me quite a few years to come to grips with. And I find this a heck of a lot with a lot of people is they are completely unprepared for what's required of them if they're successful. And a lot, a lot of people are very uncomfortable with that process of change. That is so interesting. And I'm glad you mentioned in that because that is truly bigger commitment. And that is the leadership and transformation, right? The both of us have a quite a bit of experience in that as well. And that requires conscious decision to work on something on daily basis till we transform it into either new skill or new type of leadership or type of being that really can undertake the level of complexities or challenges. So do you mind sharing what, what do you see in a commonality um, and what are some of the key ingredients for that success? As people are not sure how close they are, uh, where they're at, as we know, we're all biggest critic, right? And then also how external world receive us, that can really be either extremely detrimental or extremely helpful on that journey. Well, I think, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And look, there's a lot to that. And maybe I can touch on a little bit of my methodology, which is called mindset reflexology. So just to explain that a little bit, um, you know, we, I guess we have this relationship between our emotional self and our rational self. Yes. So, um, you know, what I would say is, you know, our, our, our rational mind makes all the plans but our subconscious emotional mind makes all the decisions. So we've got this conflict between yes. our conscious and subconscious thinking that really only comes to the fore under pressure, under that deep-seated fight-flight response that we all have in our caveman past, but it still is present in all of us. We carry it on our yeah. genome, that fight-flight-freeze response that is triggers emotions and I think this is where most people, I would suggest anybody listening to this as a starting point is to really investigate what an emotion is. An emotion is not, um, you know, a, a psychological. An emotion is biological. And, and that biology then takes over your psychology. I mean, all emotion, I mean, all thinking, I should say, is emotional state dependent all thinking, including rational thinking, is emotional state dependent. So I would think the first steps along this path are to understand what an emotion is and the relationship between your rational and emotional mind. And the way I tend to work is to, is to create a partnership where they work together rather than in conflict with each other. And to do that, you've really got to retrain your, at a synapse level, the way yeah. that you respond to that emotional avalanche that is triggered in 0.06 of a second. Um, and this is the thing, the way our brain operates, of course, without going too deep into the weeds of it. But 
you know, our rational mind comes online in about 0.25 of a second. Our emotions are triggered in about 0.06 of a second. So by the time your rational thinking comes online, it's too late. Your emotions have already flooded the body. And it's a chemistry. Like, it's, it's not... It's not some mystical process. It is a chemical process where, yes. you know, chemicals flood into your bloodstream and hijack your thinking. And this is what happens. And I've learned this in trading and I've learned this in peak performance, um, sports, business, trading, life, is to understand how emotions work gives you the capacity to perform under pressure. And this is, the, I guess, the, the truth. I mean... It's easy to perform when there's no pressure, but it's generally in those clutch moments, whether it be sport, life, business, uh, trading, um, that pivot or, or, or I guess take life in different directions based on how you handle those moments. And that's where peak performance is critical. And the process is generally part breathing part physical part intervening in the emotional process and i teach a process of breath and tension relaxation and then it's about mindfulness and mindfulness is you know very popular these days isabella uh, and it's really i think mindfulness is really i guess connecting science and the mysticism of mindfulness i mean yes. you know the mystics have known about mindfulness for millennia but I think the science is really caught up now to mindfulness and understanding how to become the observer of your own thoughts, which is really essentially the, you know, the key part of mindfulness is to be able to separate your thoughts from your identity. Um, and that realization that we are not intertwined with our thoughts, our thoughts and our true self are two separate phenomena. So once you can do that, then you can start to examine your thoughts and you can start to examine the way your potential has been organized based on your um, environmental experience because that's how your brain wires itself, right? You, human beings hit the ground from birth with an incomplete brain. We're a pretty unique species. Like most species are, brawn, are born complete and then they just... Um, grow, whereas human beings hit the ground with a brain that's very incomplete and then it wires itself through our childhood based on our external environment. So all of these deep-seated beliefs start to get wired into our traits during our childhood. And I think we, we sort of grow up with a version of our identity that we believe to be us. Yeah, you know, that's Then so what mindfulness teaches well, this is leadership, right? This is self-leadership, is understanding this identity, this version of my potential now, I can actually rebuild that. I can actually redesign that. I can actually change the organisation of that potential so that in those moments of pressure and stress, I can start to reflex differently. I can start to respond differently. I can intervene in that emotional avalanche and bring forth the parts of my potential that are better suited for that moment of stress and pressure. And that's really what peak performance is all about. Um, so, and then I have a process, you know, of it's pretty deep work. Like it's one thing to understand that it's another thing to actually do the work to yes. retrain yourself to respond differently 
And you see this in a lot of um, elite athletes. You see it in, um, in in my world of trading. That's why 98% of traders fail is because they either haven't figured out or haven't done the work or haven't stayed alive financially long enough to rebuild the mind that they brought to the table because the mind they brought to the table was completely unprepared for the, you know, really the brutality of trading, which is um, <laughs> very quickly reveals your inner beliefs, um, which show up in your trading account. So that's why I love it so much. It's not so much the financial opportunity, it's the exposure of human nature with uh, nowhere to hide uh, that I really enjoy the most. So that's sort of, I think for anybody listening to this, Isabella, is that's where I would uh, look is, you know, you've got to be able to intervene in that emotional process. And then you've got to be able to separate a little bit from your thoughts and start to observe them. And then that gives you the opportunity to look into, well, what are my beliefs? You know, what is going on in my beliefs? Why is this, why are they in such conflict? Right? And then, okay, what sort of parts of me, what sort of parts of my potential are better suited, you know, to the version of myself I would like to be? I love the journey again that you walk us through and, and explain uh, because you, you spot on, we have the ability to at different stages figure it out where we are, right? And then where we want it to be and then how, what that looks like for us and, and what level of development we wanted to undergo. And some of us are lifelong learners. Some of us are consistently looking how we can not only sustain that peak performance, but also how, what else we can do uh, because it's so much disruption, volatility, but also, as you've mentioned, work on our belief system, either it's related to money or what can we endure or our performance or what is possible to achieve just because we never did it before that doesn't mean we can't right and and then that risk factor what is this, that calculated risk what is that risk and tolerance of something that uh, pushes even further or shut us down so with all of that in mind, uh, obviously you've been doing this for some quite some time and you share a little bit of connection and collaboration with, with, with the money. Um, but I'm curious, uh, since you touched, obviously that you're doing trading and some of the stuff, you see this very often, which is facing the fears, right? Risk appetite or risk tolerance worries dramatically uh, to various people. What would you say uh, would be some advice to face those fears and what would be some of the tools and techniques that they can tap into? Because those fears are applicable right now into everything, either it's a loss of job or gaining the job or, or, or investing properly money or thinking about long longevity of not only financial health, but overall business health. So I feel like all of those are interconnected. Don't you agree? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that this is a really fundamental question. Um, our relationship with money, our relationship with risk is really a derivation of our relationship with fear. And, you know, fear is the, is the sort of the mother of all emotions. And, and, you know, just to sort of dive into that a little bit as part of, you know, answering your question is, and, and this should be really hopefully helpful and powerful for people, is it's, it's not your fault. We all evolved with a brain that's based on fear. And this is not some 
uh, you know, revolutionary idea is our brain evolved with a survival instinct. Our survival instinct is based on finding things that threaten us yes. and then either running away from it or attacking it. So that's fight, attack, or flight, run away, or freeze, pretend to be dead, right? Yes. So that, that is how human beings evolved, and it was a very, very successful trait that allowed human beings to survive and thrive in that environment where any threat in the environment, if you didn't overpower it or get away from it, you became its meal, right? You were dead, right? So there's not so many creatures out there wanting to kill you now like there was back then, but guess what? We all have that brain still to this day. So what happens is our relationship with fear and risk is yeah. intimately in intertwined with our brain's perception of threat, right? And when your brain perceives threat, it will instantly trigger, instantly trigger that emotional reaction, which is aggression or, or, or flight or, or freeze. And this is where managing risk or, and money really is can be addressed through addressing your understanding and relationship with fear. And fear is, you know, fear is something that we all have our own opinion about, right? I very much approach it from a, a scientific perspective. And, and look, whether it's phobias or whether it's some um, other form of um, sort of innate fears of certain things. I mean, I, I, I suffer from some vertigo. Like I have... Um, you know, a, 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 an unnatural fear of heights, something that I work on all the time. So we all have these things, but it's all connected to the wiring or the new, you know, the neuroplasticity of our brain. So if you want to do something about it, the place to start is to go a little bit deeper. And if people are, are struggling to do that themselves, it's, it, my advice would be to speak to somebody, maybe a cognitive behavioral therapist or somebody who has got some expertise in helping to walk you through the process of where these fears came from, why these beliefs are wired into your brain and, and how to start to recondition those beliefs so that your relationship with fear changes and the way you respond to threat changes. And that naturally then gives you the capacity to understand Making money is really just managing risk. And managing risk is about understanding your relationship with fear. So you know, it's not about the avoidance of risk. It's about the management of risk. And I talk about this a lot. Like I also have a business where we train and coach um, financial brokers to build businesses. And the biggest challenge all of them have is part, you know, the methodology. But a big part of it is understanding their own relationship with risk. Like what, what is going to be required of me to take this risk to build this business? And that's, everyone is slightly different. And I think you said something earlier about, you know, if there was just one way that you could drag and drop a solution, everyone would be doing it. But the thing is, every human being is unique and every human being has a different um, perception of risk and a different um I guess, relationship with risk, depending on their circumstances. So this is where you really need to understand yourself um, yes. and then 
you know, take take things forward from there. And I think this is really, I mean, you know, some people take wild risks. You see some entrepreneurs, you know, some of these billionaires and, and highly um, celebrated entrepreneurs, all that they've really got is a massive appetite for risk. They're not necessarily smarter. They're not necessarily harder working, but what they do have is an appetite for risk. And, and that's really the only difference. And I think I'm not suggesting anybody should go out there and wildly take risk. I mean, that's another human trait that's dangerous, which is impulse. Um, and yes, that's some, something that I see a lot with traders is impulse or revenge trading or trying to get back at the market like it's crazy, but it happens all the time that you can't control the uncontrollable. The only thing that you can control is the mind that you bring to your engagement with uncertainty, to your engagement with risk. That is where you can make a difference. You can't make a difference out there, but you can make a difference in here in how you engage and how you perform in that moment of engagement with risk and uncertainty. That is excellent point. And thank you for sharing your perspective and your knowledge because we're seeing so much right now, right? With stock market changing, with huge resignation, too many symptomatic issues, uh, a lot of dynamics in leadership and just in general uh, amongst the people. And you're right, everybody's in different stage in their life and they have a different uh, formula of where they're at, uh, what they should be working on, where their deficits are and where they fall short and where they're absolutely superbly um, most awesome. And then just uh, everything in between. And through that journey, it's so important not only to know yourself well, but the know environment you're in and be able to position for success. And I know a lot of people, I'm sure, want to know the crystal ball, right? Because we want a definite uh, affirmative answers. We want a certainty. And, and mm -hmm. it's a, such a huge, big differentiator between certainty and something that maybe might happen and, and probability. Matter of fact, in your mindset of uh, reflexology show, uh, you share a little bit about that. So do you mind also help uh, listeners that are watching and, um, and listening the show? Uh, what, what would you suggest uh, for them? Obviously, yes, addressing those fears and recognizing and the path forward but something tangible so that they can carve the path forward for themselves. Every time when that either anxiety comes or fear factor or just simply procrastination on the other side of the spectrum because it's hard to face that uh, level of anxiety and um, be able to act. Yeah, uh, thank you, Isabella. And look, and absolutely right. That's what I talk a lot about on the show. Um, Look, I would start something that you said there is really fundamental and powerful for everybody to, to understand, I think, and that is this conflict that exists. And I, I posted about this in the last couple of days, actually, that we never have we lived or certainly in our living memory, a time of greater change, um, greater challenge, but also greater opportunity. Um, and as human beings, as you rightly said, we are wired, as we've spoken about, to seek certainty. That is the way the brain works. It is absolutely based on predictions, based on previous experience, and then and predicting that the same thing will happen. So the brain is constantly seeking certainty, 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 certainty. And yet, as human beings, we live in a world that's completely random. Nothing is certain. So you see this... Mm huge conflict 
between the way we are physiologically and the world we live in. And yes. that's always been the case. But you're right, this last couple of years, and particularly recent times, is particularly with the pandemic and other things, the world is in a bit of stage of, of um, upside down, conflict, change, threat, um, uncertainty, right? So it's really just ex exaggerated um, that sort of conflict that exists naturally for all people. I mean, all of us live in a, you know, a life where anything could happen at any time. And I don't mean to say that as some sort of scary statement, but life is uncertain. Life is random. You know, the world is fairly random. And yet we are all desperately want certainty about what's going to happen, certainty about the future. So to answer your question about, you know, where to go with it, what's something tangible? Well, it's, it's really understanding your own relationship with uncertainty. I mean, that's really what I, I zone in on is it's not about trying to do force of will to change the outside world. It's really about changing your relationship with uh, performance, changing your relationship with fear, changing your relationship with uncertainty. That's where you start to perceive opportunity, where others perceive problems that's certainly yes. been my experience and the way I've trained myself and it's the way I work with leaders is it's about changing and shifting your relationship with uncertainty with yes. obstacles with fear I mean I, I have quite a strong stoic you know um, philosophy system you know if, you, if you've done any study of the stoic um, philosophy Isabella which is really about you know, the you know obstacles, challenges, and fears are generally signposts of the right direction to go in, because mm -hmm. that that's it's amazing how life has got these paradoxes built in, right? That we all seek certainty and safety, but that's generally the road to nowhere. The actual opportunities and the successes are camouflaged within obstacles and challenges and fears and uncertainty. So I think if we can all work to shift our mindset a little bit, just a little bit, um, towards our relationship with uncertainty, and then understand that, you know, to start to walk in that direction is the way to go. Um, and that, from a leadership perspective, you know, that's, you know, that's really where I, I see leaders around the world. I, I would like to see them starting to speak more at that level about not avoiding uncertainty and not avoiding problems and not avoiding challenges, but just changing our relationship with them. There's always going to be challenges. There's always going to be problems. Random things can happen at an individual or collective level. And this pandemic, right, is such a collective um, uh, challenge. I, I, you know, certainly in my lifetime, I've never seen anything that has collectively challenged the entire world. Like we get these little challenges just in our life or our community's life or our business, even our town, our city, our country even, you know, yes. but never have we had this collective world challenge. So yes, it is, it is triggered that deep seated uh, anxiety with our relationship with uncertainty and fear because we never know what's going to happen. Could there be a lockdown? I mean, Melbourne is the most locked down city in the world. We have been locked down by our leaders 
for more days than anywhere else in the world. So people are very fatigued by it. People are very stressed out, very overwhelmed by the uncertainty of what's going to happen. How can I go forward when I don't know whether I can open my business? So that's really, really difficult, right? So um, there's a lot to endure and perhaps some other places in the world have had a less um, draconian measures, I guess. But it's still, (laughs) you know, we're all... We're, we're all dealing with uncertainty. Me personally, like I have approached this period. I mean, I, I, you know, like all of us, I've had to sort of endure the various challenges of the pandemic. But I've sort of found it an opportunity to work on my relationship with uncertainty, to, you know, to improve my relationship with uncertainty. That's the way I approach life. I'm grateful yeah. for the opportunity to improve myself. And this is what I would say. Instead of being fearful, anxious, stressed, and um, avoiding, look at the, the, the gratitude approach. And I know gratitude is a bit of a, an overused word, but I very much practice what I call situational gratitude. You know, it's a, just a, a term I use to describe that it, all during the day, no matter what happens, every single little event, I always think to myself, What's, what can I learn out of this? How can I be better as a result of this? You know, for yes. example, if I'm in traffic and someone cuts me off in traffic, the human reaction is to go, you know, shake your fist, trigger <laughs> to anger, or, right? Whereas I, I trained myself to go, okay, well, I, you, you cut me off. I missed the intersection. Now I've got to wait a little bit longer. Well, that's an opportunity. <clears throat> that's an opportunity to think about something that's on my mind. So I, I, I just train myself to be grateful for uncertainty and, and obstacles presenting chances to improve myself. And that process of self-mastery is, I think, that's like the hub in the middle that all other things um, feed off, whether it's um, business, money, family, leadership, um, whatever it is, it all comes from your interest and enthusiasm for growth, interest and enthusiasm for self-mastery. That's really at the core of it all, Isabella, in my opinion. And not for anybody watching this, like it's a bit of a, yeah. a bit of a, uh, you know, a big uh, sort of high-level statement, self-mastery, and people will be thinking, well, how do you go about that? Right, it's a little bit like saying, you know, I want to be healthy and fit. Well, that's fantastic, but how do you go about it? Right. Yes. And so, self mastery really starts with understanding, you know, how this the brain works, how our relate, how our beliefs have been formed, where they've come from, what experiences have we had in the past that have traumatized us, and perhaps we've internalized them, and they they they, they trigger our relationship with with fear. Those things can be addressed, and altered if you're prepared to go a little bit deeper into your own psychology i love it it's it's so much there uh not only value but uh opportunity to really pause and rethink right because not only because it's a new year and we're also dealing with the new now trends and on and on president moments as you mentioned earlier and now third year of dramatic change and drastic change for so many of us. And as you said, as we're getting fatigued or as we're really seeing 
Um, what we're not happy about it, it's also a great opportunity, as you said, to focus on what can we change, how can we do it, and, and how to get there. And often it's about aligning with people who already been there, done that, or who know how to navigate, like yourself and others. But just the fact that we got that threshold we want to change, I think that is fantastic as well. So with that in mind, Ash, I mean, you down in Mel and you you in Australia and it's a, you now it's a, a summertime there was we're coping here with winter. So on, on the on the other note, uh, could you tell us uh, what's in the bucket list? What are some things you're doing down under uh, to make the magic happen and, and continue to self-sustain and recharge your batteries? Uh, well, that's it. Yeah, thank you for asking. From a personal level, I'll, I'll answer that initially. So, um, I mean, I I, ex I exercise a lot. Um, I meditate. Um, I'm a I'm a big believer in um, allowing breathing space uh, to to reflect uh, on a daily basis. Call it reflection. Call it meditation. Uh, I spend time in nature. Um, I'm a very strong believer in the power of spending time in nature, even if it's just walking out on the street um, amongst um, wherever you live. You know, I happen to live in a regional centre where I can walk out my back door and I can be in some bush setting pretty easily. I find that it is a fantastic way to clear your mind, to recharge, uh, and, you know, to practice those skills of, I guess, changing your relationship with things that concern you, you know, to see them as an opportunity to grow, to improve, to change. And not everything's great in life, Isabella. Bad things happen, unfortunately. They happen yes. to all of us and sometimes unexpectedly and sometimes, you know, there's nothing you can do about them. But what you can do is evolve your relationship um, with yourself in the way that you respond to the world. And I think, well, from a pandemic perspective and what I'm doing down here, I've really taken it as an opportunity to spend more time on my own thought process. And I think the world is such a busy place. I mean, yes. so many people have this low level addiction to distraction. You know, social yes. media is a part of that. You yes. know, um, you know, and the all of those algorithms. <laughs> Correct, correct. Well, you know, it, it's it's the dopamine. I mean, the people that develop these programs are very, very clever and they understand how the brain works and they all these platforms are set up to trigger little dopamine um, releases that which we get addicted to. But that's part of why we are all leading busy lives. The busyness problem is yes. we are, it's a form of avoidance of dealing with deep-seated concerns and deep-seated worries. So you can see this conflict. You can see people skating down this road of busy, 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 busy. But deep down inside, there's this rising tide of fear, anxiety, and uncertainty. And what I have found is, and what I'm doing is, and, and what I generally coach and advise is helping people just hold their hand initially to take a little bit of time in a safe space to turn inward, you know, to stop the busyness, nice. stop the distraction, and just take a little tiptoe forward in, inwardly, right? And as obvious as that sounds, so many people have been avoiding that. So many people keep themselves busy 
in all forms of addiction and all forms of distraction, and there's many, that they are a way of avoiding the inner journey generally. So I spend a lot of time uh, with myself and, you know, particularly with my clients to teach them and assist them. And everyone's slightly different. Some people take to it quickly. Some people need a bit of a shove and other people need a bit of a cuddle, a bit of a hug, right? A little bit more of hold their hand. But the journey is the same. The journey is the same. And that is to work on yourself rather than distract yourself with being busy, 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 busy. I mean, there's times you've got to be busy, right? You know, I've got a couple of kids. uh, You know, I've got things in my life. We all get busy at times. That's okay. But it's very important, very, very important to stop and find time to reflect and work through these thoughts and understand where they come from, understand how to adapt and change. I mean, I, I, I like to quote um, Charles Darwin on this, you know, the, you know, the great uh, uh, theory of uh, natural selection that, it, you know, it's not the most intelligent of the species that thrive. It's not the strongest of the species that thrive. It is the members of the species that are most open to change, that are the most adaptable that thrive. So, you know, this is what I really like to see in people, an openness to change, an openness to adapting. And that's got to come from within rather than being subject to what the government does or what the world does. You know, those changes you don't control, but what you do control is your own change. I love it. It's such a beautiful uh, reason, obviously, why you're doing what you're doing and then how you walk the talk and how you not only... Uh, prescribe the recipe for that success because you already been there and done that and that is so refreshing and and beautiful in so many ways so uh, with that in mind uh, before we wrap up for today which we can definitely go on and on and just so much we're just barely scratching the surface uh, what is in your bucket list what it's coming in and what is your why Uh, and obviously ultimately what would you like your legacy to be? What would you like to be known for and remembered by? There's a couple of things on my bucket list. I mean, uh, at, a, at a sort of a personal level, I've got a 25th wedding anniversary coming up. I've got a son who is just shifting out of home. Yeah, thank you. My, my young son is just shifting out of home to go to university. So that's a big thing for wow. parents when the the children fly the coop. Um, I've got a little girl who's my adopted daughter. We uh, we adopted a little girl um, that we're caring for. So she's a little angel. So she's the centre of my world, the big part of my wife. At a, at a bigger level, um, you know, I mean, my, my purpose, my driving passion is to have an impact on as many people as possible. Like... Um, I'm not, you know, I, I, I'm not doing it for fame, for money, for any of those things. I am, I, I want to have an impact in the world. And this is why I love um, what you're doing as well, Isabella, and having the opportunity to talk and hopefully just to have a, a, a little impact in people's lives that changes the course of their life positively. If I can do that with um, as many people as possible, well, the world is hopefully a better place. And that, that's my mission, if, if I were to put it, in so many words, would be to leave this world 
slightly better than it was when I came into it. That is so beautiful. First of all, kudos, congratulations on your 25th anniversary on Well Done Parenting. So son is going to college for adopting a little girl in need and giving her a safe home and loving, loving care she deserves and also showing up. And for everyone, obviously you are so active, not on LinkedIn, you are sharing so much value, creating tremendous impact. And it's so great to be associated with people like herself uh, because that's uh, our own bigger goal and vision and creating that ripple effect, right? And we don't know how far sometimes the reach could be, but it's amazing what we do when we unite and, and, and just uh, show up consistently. So first of all, I want to kudo you for that. And lastly, for everyone, obviously, that had a chance to now to get a little bit of flavor, not only about your expertise, but also how amazing human you are, where they can go and find you and get in touch with you, uh, besides obviously reaching directly on LinkedIn, where would you like them to go and get in touch with you? Well, there's really only three places. I don't spread myself too thinly. Um, obviously, LinkedIn, where I'm very active. I, I love the LinkedIn community, Isabella, as you know. Um, I've just started my show on YouTube. I mean, I mean that's you know really where I've decided to start putting. I mean, I do my my show on LinkedIn Live, but I record it over on YouTube. So go across to YouTube and and look up the Mindset Reflexology Show and subscribe. That'd be awesome. Um, and I've got my website, themindsetfitmethod.com. They're really the only places. If you want to know a little bit more about how I how I serve um, my clients, what courses I offer, that sort of stuff, that's there. But as far as just connecting and communicating, I mean, jump onto LinkedIn, connect, follow, go to YouTube, subscribe, reach out. Like that's one thing I live, eat, sleep and breathe, you know, uh, helping. I mean, I am driven compulsively to help people. My wife always used to tell me, you've got to stop trying to help so many people. And I was like, <laughs> why? I love doing it. Right? And this is why I love the sort of one-to-many capacity of social media, particularly LinkedIn. Like, I can have, this is what I love so much, is I can have an impact on many more people than I can just simply one-on-one. -on -one. I mean, I do love one-on-one -on -one and I do work with clients of one-on-one, -on -one, but I love, 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 love being able to sort of spread, you know, a positive message. Um, so, yeah, if anybody watching this, you know, jump onto Zoom, uh, jump onto um, LinkedIn, jump onto YouTube, check out the website if you want to know a little bit more about me. I'm putting together a book and a few other things. I've got a little bit more of my story that I'd like to tell um, as well um, about what, you know where, I, where I've come from and the journey I've gone through. I've touched on a little bit of it today, but um, probably LinkedIn. And as I said, if anybody wants to reach out to me, you know the simplest way, because I'm there all the time, is a private or direct message on LinkedIn. That's the simplest way. Right, I don't always check my email and I don't always answer the phone, but I always respond to direct messages. Oh, it's amazing what we got to, to that technology, right? And how we get connected with the world and stay involved. 
and uh, also be able to, again, reach and impact and converse. I joke around, it was like so many days I've ran around the world like four or five times and they're like, really? How do you do that? <laughs> so I was like, jump, jump on the, any of the platform, but specifically LinkedIn and you will be amazed. You know, it's like, oh yeah, yesterday I was in these 10 countries and today I've been here and here and there. And it's just such a beautiful way of, of really, not only to connect with the world, World, but also learn from the world and amazing people. So Ash, this was absolute pleasure. Thank you for your time and showing up and being our valuable guest on Legacy Leader Show, sharing uh, what's important to you, how you are making a world better place. And also um, definitely for this phenomenal commitment to, again, not only be that peak performer, but to also provide a tremendous value in time of the need, the highest need in modern time where humans need a more of the humans that care, that are compassionate and uh, interested in their own success. So thank you so much for doing that. Thank you so much for having me on Isabella. And um, just while I've got the opportunity, I, I want to um, you know, compliment you on what you're doing with your work and your show. It's fantastic to get on and have a chance to, to talk at length with you. As you said, you know, we could talk about this stuff um, a lot more and hopefully we have the chance in the future to collaborate yes. some more. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for listening to Legacy Leader Show. If you enjoyed the content and had a positive experience, then please leave us a positive rating. In addition, leave us positive review whenever you are listening on whatever platform there might be. Make sure your friends and family also know about the benefit and value that we provide and what we have to offer. Cheers.